welcome to the Driving Your Marketing Podcast, where small business entrepreneurs come discover the strategies, systems, and tools to kick their marketing into high gear. If you want to go from surviving small business owner to thriving entrepreneur, you're in the right place. Let's get ready to roll. All right, welcome everybody. This is Eli Delaney with Your Marketing University and the host of the Driving Your Marketing Podcast. And we are here today with another awesome, cool, fun interview. Whole point behind everything that we do is to bring in cool people that I meet throughout the world that are amazing marketers to kind of get their message out there and share some of the things that you can do to get yourself out there, get your message out to the world. Because let's face it, most people don't really like marketing, especially not like me. I mean, I even have a bumper sticker on my laptop sitting right in front of me that says, I love marketing. And the whole reason for that is because this is what I do for a living. But that's not what most of you do. And unfortunately, I hear all the time so many people that don't like marketing, they're afraid of it, they think it has to be expensive, crazy, complicated, and really it doesn't have to be. And that's the whole point by why I do this show, why I bring in all these cool guests. And today I have Patty Farmer. She is the networking CEO. She's an award-winning and in-demand marketing professional, social media strategist, professional speaker, radio show host, and co-author of two highly acclaimed books, Make Your Connections Count and Success in High Heels. She and I actually met as part of a telesummit we did together, and we've been connecting, playing phone tag, having some fun, some cool conversations. And Patty, it is my pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks so much. I'm so excited that we finally get to do this, and what a great week we're doing it, too. So I'm thankful. I know. Thank you so much. And this has been fun. You and I had a great, cool, fun phone conversation a couple weeks ago. And it is amazing how in all the all the time that both of us have been out there, you are a networking pro and I am a networking pro. I mean, these are this is how we grow our businesses. And it amazes me how it's just now that we've actually networked enough to actually start talking to each other, which is, you know, kind of a fun experience. I think it is, too. You think that, you know, you're out there and we're doing what we're doing right and it really is a small world you know because then you come across someone you're like wow how did we not already meet right how did we not know each other why were we not in each other's circle but the bottom line is I'm just excited that we are now that's just great I couldn't agree more. So I know that, you know, not everybody just, you know, just as usual, not everybody's going to know who you are and where you came from. So really? I always like to kind of do a little bit of a background. Where How did you get started in what you're doing today? So how I got started, so I've been in marketing for a very long time, and my background originally is in the mortgage business. And back in Las Vegas, which is where I grew up, I'm in Dallas now, but back where I grew up was in Las Vegas, and I had a mortgage company and a marketing company, brick and mortar, um, even though I've been a serial entrepreneur my whole life. But here's the thing. We all know that in business, we all have to be networking. It's all about meeting people and being where people are, where's your audience. And so really networking became very important to me, and I just love people. And people would say to me, are you B2B or are you B2C? And I'm like, well, actually, I'm P2P because people do business with people. So I'm really all about people. And so what happened is about five years ago, the long and short story, is five years ago I came home and my husband said, guess what, we're moving to Dallas. And I had lived in Las Vegas for like 30 years. We moved to Dallas. I didn't know not one single person. 
But what happened was my network was like, well, you know what, Patty, it's so easy for you. You've lived in Las Vegas for 30 years, and you know everybody. So after I got over the original, well, here I am, and I don't know anybody, I thought to myself, what an amazing opportunity this is to, how many times have you ever thought in your business, oh, if I could just do a do-over, I would do it this way, or I would do this, or I would do that. So it was a great opportunity in my business because at that point in time, the mortgage business was pretty much kind of fading out, going through some issues there. So I just decided, and at that point in time, also that's when social media really was coming on. So between those two things, I sold my mortgage company, went full on just in marketing, and opened up my networking organization in Dallas and never really looked back. And in that amount of time, I just said, okay, here I am, and went out and did it, and I I love it. It was you know, thinking that someday you may not be able to do your business the way you do it now and knowing that you need to get to a point where you can do your business, if you're an entrepreneur, wherever you live. So think about it. If you had to move tomorrow, would that change your business? Because if you're an entrepreneur, you should be able to do your business wherever. That was a huge aha moment for me. And here right. I am. And I and I love that. And the the funny thing is that you know a year ago, and actually just a year ago, as of last week, we actually went through that same process because that's when we moved from Phoenix up to Portland. And it was a matter of you know people are like, oh, do you have family up there? No, actually, my family is still another seven hours away. But I moved up here with that whole concept of I wanted that do-over. I wanted a chance to just go someplace where I had been super, super networked in the Phoenix area. But I was like, you know what? No, I want to go someplace where I don't know anybody. And I'll tell mm-hmm. you what, that mindset, the the opportunity that shows up when you can do something like that is very scary and liberating at the same time. Absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely. So you know, get definitely kudos to you for for doing that because so many people won't jump on that kind of opportunity. I think that that's a really big lesson that people should be listening to, is that if you can have that kind of opportunity, that is a great opportunity. Don't make it scary. It's an opportunity for you to really stand up and step up in your game. And it's also freedom too, because the bottom line is in a time where so many people are so afraid of security, like what could happen, the freedom of knowing that it doesn't matter where I live, that my business will be just fine no matter where it is, makes no difference to me. So from a marketing point of view and from a networking point of view, there will always be people, right, always, and there are always going to need be people who need what you do. So if you can think of it in that way, where you're located really should not matter. Right. I, I love that. And it is so true because in today's world, you know, we have that opportunity to, to become essentially, as the term is called now, it's the, you know, the cool kids are using location independent. And, you know, a piece of that is the fact that there are, it doesn't matter what kind of business you have, there are potential clients just about everywhere. And you can pick up and move. And especially in today's world where we're starting to do more online networking and online you know, e-commerce essentially, you have that opportunity where you can have clients all over. I mean, even today, I'm, a year later, the mass majority of my clients are not here. I have a good portion of my clients that are in California and even some that are in Australia, New Zealand, India, and the UK. And the funny thing is I'm actually really excited because I'm getting my first coaching client that's actually in Portland. 
You know? That is exciting. You know, I think that's really kind of funny, too, though, because people ask me that all the time. And they say, well, you know, Patty, here in Dallas, you know, what's the percentage of people? Because I'm not seeing you all the time here. And for me, when you're in the networking world, and it's really interesting. I'd love to know if this happens for you. But in the networking world, so many people are like, well, Patty, they see me networking all the time. So I spend probably, I would have to say, a good 90 to 95% of my marketing time and my marketing budget as well doing things not in Dallas, right? And mm-hmm. um, I do things in Dallas, but really I spend my money and my marketing time really promoting not in Dallas. And that has really served me really, really well because I love it when I'm home and I get to do things here, but really I do things other places. And like you, my clients are in other countries. That's why people always say, oh, you're up early. Well, when you have international clients, you know, you have to have the time change. So I get up really early because I have a lot of international clients. And that's really where it is. And how exciting is that? I mean, there's opportunities. Oh, definitely, and I and I love that, and I and I think for anybody, especially you know somebody who might be an aspiring speaker or trainer in that kind of aspect that kind of fits into the same category as that you and I do, that that they really should also think about that fact that many times you're going to find your best clients outside of your local area, and the reason for that, and you know this you could I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, is one phrase that I actually heard, I think it was Debbie Allen told me this many years ago, was that you can't be a prophet in your own backyard. Absolutely. And or the other side of that, you. which is you're always an expert in somebody else's, right? So um, Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think it really, in a way, is very, very true, because I know that when I speak here, in Dallas, like people attend my stuff, but here's what I do notice for me, that they will spend more money other places because they have access to you here, right? You know, when you're in your own home, they're like, oh, well, I can just come to your networking meeting or I'll see you at the chamber or, or whatever the case may be, right? And they have access to you. When people don't have the access to you, they'll pay more. Right. Awesome. Very cool. Now, you mentioned something else that I think is really um, really important that I think we should kind of talk about for a second is your networking groups, how you started that organization. And, you know, give us a little bit of story on that because I think it's a great way for people to get the idea of something that they could even do in their area. And they don't necessarily have to grow it as big as you have, but something that they can use as a way to network with more people and get, the na- get their, their name out to their own local market as well. Oh, absolutely. So for me, when I lived in Las Vegas, and a lot of times people don't really know this part, but when I first um, was a part of my networking organization, it was a franchise. And I owned the franchise in Las Vegas. And then when I moved to Dallas, I sold that franchise and I bought the franchise here in Dallas. And so I was just a franchise owner. I was also the trainer that trained all of the franchise owners in the whole company. However, after I moved here, about two years, I think I was here, like two years, the person who owned Wendy, the person who owned the company, she decided to retire, and I bought the company out, which was phenomenal for me because I was always beta testing all the new stuff, and this, again, was an opportunity. Opportunities will always present themselves to be able to do that, 
and be able to have it be how I wanted it to be, you know. So I really wanted it to be so much more educational because I really believe that networking, you know, just passing business cards and hoping you're going to get business is kind of been over for a long, long time. And really it's about building relationships. And so now I could do it that way. So for people who maybe a lot of times they're in an industry where, you know, a lot of networking organizations are industry exclusive, which that's what it started for me because at that time I was in the mortgage business and to find a networking organization who didn't have a mortgage person was very hard, right? Start your own. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, Meetup, there's so many different tools out there now that are very inexpensive or free. And if you have a vision or you have a message, feel free to just start your own. There's so many different ways to do it. And if you know your message and you know who you serve, well, there's no reason why you can't do it and collaborate with other people who support that message and who serve the same market as you. What a great way to be able to pull people together and really expand your reach and theirs too. Awesome. I love that. And it is so, so true. I mean, we've done that. I've, I've started a group um, in Phoenix that we did, and we grew it very, very fast. And the whole point was, this is what we want to do. We want to build a collaborative environment that is not like what we're seeing out there. And our first event, I believe we had 50 people show up. The second one, we had 80. I mean, it just exploded very, very fast. And it's not really that hard. And even if you only get five, you know, let it grow from there. But it's a way for you to share your message, get yourself out there in front of more people as a leader. And I think that's a really important thing too. Absolutely, or sponsoring. So if somebody was like saying a lot of times different like meetup groups and stuff, they're always looking for somebody to sponsor um, their event, which is very, very inexpensive. And doing that sometimes will put you, if it's in front of your target audience and the people you want to get in front of. So if you don't want to do it yourself or maybe you just want to be the person who puts it on but you're bringing in other people that are experts, you know, if that's really not where you want to be yet or that's not the space you want to stand in yet, you want to let it grow on you, that's a good way to do it too. There's a lot of different ways to do it and collaboration nowadays is just really a great way to be able to expand your reach. Awesome. Love it. All right. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see business owners and entrepreneurs make when this stands between them and achieving massive results in their business? Well, here's the thing. As a business owner, as an entrepreneur, speaker, there's a lot of things that we do. But the two biggest mistakes that I see that stand between them and achieving massive results, so not just results, but massive results, is one, they don't network effectively. And more importantly, they don't follow up correctly because we know that just like in real estate, you know, location, 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 in the networking world, it's follow-up, 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 mm-hmm. always. And that's no matter where you are. Like a lot of times people think that that just means when you're like at a networking event. But you know and I know that we're networking everywhere we go, right? The grocery store, I mean, the Christmas party, you're networking everywhere. But it never stops there. So whether you're at an event, a conference, a workshop – It's what happens when you leave that really is where those powerful conversations you had become profitable. Right, and I love that. And as as somebody who's a self-proclaimed follow-up fanatic, I think that that is so so critical. So you're definitely you know preaching to the choir on that one. And I'd love to you know 
hear some of your thoughts and ideas on how to follow up more effectively because let's face it, most people, they go networking and whether it be a local chamber or a one per category group like a BNI or any of those kind of franchises that are out there um, or going to conferences, which that's where I know you and I do a lot of networking is in conferences and seminars and things like that. But what happens is we meet all these wonderful people. We come back with this great big stack of cards and then all we have is a pile of cards all over our desk as opposed to real connection. So what are your thoughts and ideas on that? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say something that's pretty controversial right now, so I hope you're ready. Mm -hmm. Um, So here's the thing. Um, A lot of times people are surprised when they hear me say this, you know, because I have a networking organization. But here's what I'm going to say. In times the way they are right now, I know that probably everyone in your audience or at least 90% of them, if they could tell us, would say that they have gone on a one-on-one, right, met for coffee, whether it's virtual mm-hmm. or not, and they have walked away and thought, well, there's an hour I'll never get back. <laughs> I know it. And mm-hmm. here is why I believe that happens. Because everybody has been taught that that's what they're supposed to do to follow up, that right. they're supposed to go have coffee whether it's virtual or not, because we know now, you know, online networking is so um, prevalent. But here's what I'm going to say. If there isn't a reason yet, like do your work first. You know, if you in a sales conversation and a marketing conversation, you would not just have a five-minute conversation with somebody and think that you have enough information. You wouldn't. It's all about being strategic. So I truly believe that networking in its simplistic form is just strategic socializing. And that's really what I feel the definition is. So if that's true, why would you not be strategic about that when you're following up? So what I like to tell people is, yes, a lot of business happens over coffee. Yes, absolutely it does. However, if your conversation has not resulted in a synergy or a reason to have coffee, then don't do it. Because if you burn the bridge because you walk out of that conversation and it goes nowhere, what do you do then? Mm-hmm. Where there's so many ways. So for me, I know a lot of times people say, I can't believe you just said that, Patty, but it's <laughs> the truth. Because right. a lot of times, like, I would go to an event and people would be like, oh, my goodness, Patty, I want to have coffee with you. And, like, 160 people would want to have coffee with me. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have time to have coffee with 160 people. You have to find a way to break that down. So am I saying qualify? Not really. I just ask good questions until they disqualify themselves. And then I know when it's time to have coffee. So for me, the answer, although it was probably a little longer than what you were thinking, is not to run out and have coffee with every single person as soon as you meet them. It isn't the time. So ask better questions, do a little bit of discovery, and then do it it will just be much more effective to be able to do it that way. So there's some things that I do that kind of get us there faster so that I know. But when I do, I always I have a 100% success rate as far as people showing up. I can't even remember the last time somebody didn't show or rescheduled unless there was health issues, right, unless it was health or children, right. um, a one-on-one for whatever reason. Because by the time we get to that point, we know it's going to be for a reason. There, we have synergy. We've asked good questions. So that's what I'm going to say. Follow-up for me is not jumping and having coffee with everybody. So there's a process that I go through to get there so that I know when I do, 
it's very effective. And sometimes it's quicker than others, but really we're very, very busy these days, and it's important to be able to get to that point to know as quickly as you can. Right, and I, and I do have to say that that is definitely a very important thing because I know people who literally will set up coffee meetings with everybody they meet, and next thing they know, that's all they're doing. They're not actually doing any real work. They're sitting at the coffee shop meeting after meeting after meeting, and I've even been there. In the past, I used to do that all the time. Now, what I did was I actually had all of my meetings in one place on one day. Me too. And they were all set up back-to-back, and I always made sure it was in a place that I could bring my laptop and plug in just in case somebody did cancel on me. Right. You know, but you do get to that point where you do have to figure out, is this going to be a good fit? And I think one of the things that is really important with that is if you do get to that point of having a coffee meeting, make sure that it's not a veiled pitch for your product. Oh. Well, (laughs) I really believe that when you get to the point where you're having coffee, again, whether it's virtual or not, we're not talking about me, and we're not Mm -hmm. talking about you. We're talking about us. The point of that meeting should be, what can we do together? It's really not about you or me. We're now we. That's what I believe. Right. No, and I I totally agree with that. I I love it. Um, And and the reason I even brought that up was because I actually had one time where a guy said he wanted to have coffee with me, and this was a couple years ago, because he wanted to learn more about what we're doing. And I was like, okay, cool, sounds good. And I sit down and have coffee with him, and he brings out his flip charts to start pitching me on his product. <laughs> he literally had one of the little mini flip charts with him and puts it on the table and is talking about his products. I'm like, first off, I thought we were you wanted to find out more about my stuff. And the second thing is I don't even know you well enough for you to be pitching me yet. I didn't ask. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times that's because people don't know the difference between a one-on-one and a referral. Mm -hmm. And I like to tell people all the time in my group, be very clear here if you're giving a referral. Is this a referral or is this a one-on-one request? Because they're not the same thing. And even if you give a referral and you tell somebody, you know, I want to give you a referral because I'm interested in your product or service, right, and I want to learn more, that does not mean that at the end of that you get to pitch to them. You ask them that you wanted to know. Mm-hmm. So I've also seen a lot of times where I have seen people where they um, vaguely disguise asking people about what they do just so that when they get done, they can tell them what they do. So it's not that they're really interested in your product or service. <laughs> they're just going to listen to it so that then they can tell you. That's mm-hmm. really very bad networking etiquette. Right. And I really think that people should not do that. They'll get a bad name for it. And believe me, just like how speakers talk and, and whatever, so do networkers. <laughs> you don't oh, want yeah. a name in your networking community. Oh, don't go have a one-on-one with them because really it's just a, you know, a disguise to pitch you. That's <laughs> not what you want to happen. And, it, you know, it won't serve you. <laughs> so right. don't do it. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I know some of those people as well. <laughs> I know, it's just get really kind of funny because the thing is, it's really not hard. Like, sometimes people make it harder than it needs to be. It's mm-hmm. just really not. And you know what? You know and I know that the right thing will always be the right thing, right? So do the right thing. Yeah. That's just how it is, right? Definitely. I love it. All right. So what are some of the biggest uh, networking profiles that you might see out there? Oh, this is so good. Okay, so. I'm really glad you asked me that, though, too, because people ask me these things all the time. They're like, what are – so here's my top three. 
and I'm sure there's more, but here's my top three. So the first one for me is we've all heard of the no like trust factor, right? Mm-hmm. No one likes not too tough, right? Trust, however, like no one like, I may introduce you to my family or my friends because they're going to forgive me if I mess up. Like if I jump the gun and maybe it doesn't work out, they're going to forgive me. But there's no way I'm introducing you to my clients until I trust you. Right. So the biggest faux pas I see is that when you give somebody a referral or they've asked to be introduced to somebody and you say, oh, I can do that, make sure that you do it and promptly because there's no worse feeling than when somebody tells you they're going to give you a referral or they're going to do an introduction and who wants to sit around and wait and wait and then you're thinking, oh, man, should I email them? You know that referral you said that you had for me or that introduction that you were going to do for me? I mean, that's just not a good feeling. And here's where you get to have credibility, right? and build that trust factor by doing what you said you were going to do. So I would say that one of the biggest faux pas I see is when you don't respond quickly enough to doing what you said you were going to do, even if it's just an introduction. Here's how you establish your trust and credibility right from the beginning. So that's the first one. Um, The second one is confusing networking with selling. I probably don't need to say any more than that, right? Um, Confusing networking with selling. So we know that when you're networking, will selling happen organically? Of course it will. But again, it probably won't happen until we build that relationship. Right. And the biggest one, um, and my biggest pet peeve is adding people to your email list without their permission. And Ah, so I I think a lot of people believe that when they exchange business cards, that that's implied consent. It is not. And it's against the can-spam law too, but -hmm. it's not implied consent. So I think that, you know, for me, the biggest pet peeve is when people add people to their email list without their permission. And it's really kind of silly too, because how hard is it to ask permission? I mean, you're networking, right? So how hard is it to just ask permission? Step away from the crowd. And, you know, so many people have said to me, oh, my goodness, Patty, you know, I can't remember the last time somebody asked me. Thank you so much. I mean, now for all the people they're going to meet that night, you're going to be the person that they're going to remember because you asked permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can say that that is my biggest pet peeve as well. It amazes me how I have, how many times I've gone to networking events, you know, over the years, and I'll go to an event, I'll meet a bunch of really cool people, and the next day, all of a sudden, I have some commercial real estate guy promoting me on the latest, greatest office they have for sale, and I'm like, I don't remember who this guy was, but. I'm not interested in an office. I had an office once, including employees, and I didn't like either very much. I like my, you know, my portable lifestyle right now. I never said I was interested. And instantly what that does is that that kills the credibility and kills the trust. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not only that, I don't even really understand why people do it because the majority of contact management systems, right, Mm -hmm. really you're paying usually, in a tier based on how many contacts you have. Right. So in actuality, why would you want to pay to have somebody on your list when you got them there by not asking their permission? It doesn't mm-hmm. even make sense. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that, and it, it, it is, you know, that is my number one pet peeve when it comes to networking as well. Now, you also talked about the, the concept, you know, the number one thing on your list was, you know, when you're going to be giving a referral or an introduction to make sure you actually do it. And that's one of those things that I think a lot of people do take for granted. They don't realize how 
negative that can be if you don't do it, especially when all it takes is doing a quick email saying, hey, by the way, Bob, I want you to meet Sue. Sue, I want you to meet Bob. Here's what you guys have in common. I think you guys would be a great fit. Let me know how it goes. I mean, literally, that's going to take you like one minute to write that email. Absolutely. So really, and not only that, but a lot of times in social networking, I will see people connect, you know, to people, and I'm thinking, I could have done an introduction, and it probably would have been more productive. But the thing really is, People just don't want to wait again. It goes back to doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But it just makes so much sense, and it does add so much more credibility and to that trust factor. And if that's where you need to be to get to building that relationship, why would you not want to? Because really, just like I said, there may be a time when somebody's saying, I would like this introduction, and you know that you're standing, like they're waiting for you because that introduction, for whatever reason, is something that they're doing. You know, somebody may say, I need this graphic designer, and like they have everything all ready to go to print, and they just need this one thing, and you're holding it up. So you, it may seem like a little thing to you, but you don't know if it is to them. It may be the thing they're waiting for that you said you'd deliver. Right. Awesome. Love it. So, you know, one of the other things is I know, you know, people listening to this call, we've got a wide variety. We have some seasoned networkers. Um, and, and I'm going to be, be honest because I don't know exactly who's listening to our show, but I do know there's going to be at least one that has been around for a while and still isn't doing it right. So we're just going to continue with this anyway. Uh, but let's imagine, you know, the guy who's just starting out or the girl who's just starting out and they're still kind of shy about getting out there and networking and meeting new people. What's, you know, what's one of the, your favorite questions to kind of open up a conversation and get people kind of started to get over that fear? Oh, that is such a good question. So for me, here's what I'm going to say. What I'm going to tell you not to say is the dreaded question, which is, what do you do? Nobody likes that. I don't care how seasoned you are. It's just not the best question to ask. So I'm just going to let you off the hook and say, don't say that one. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to help you by teaching you how to say something that works so much better. So the most important thing you really want to get to, the goal per se, is to get to that no-like-trust factor, right, to really get to find out what do we have in common, where's that synergy. So one of the best questions, it's usually always my first question, which is, who do you serve? And I really love this question because, first, it takes your eyes off yourself. And now we're talking about who do you serve. When they start telling you who they serve and what industries they serve, for example, this tells you, so many things. On one level, it tells you what industries they serve, who they serve, and you may serve them too. So now you know where the conversation is going to go, right? What an easier conversation when you may serve them too. So you can see some synergy there, and we all know that the best strategic partner you could ever have is someone who serves your target audience as well in a completely different way. So that's the first thing. But say maybe they name off some people they serve and you don't serve them. Or, or you don't really see how you could serve them. There may be an opportunity there for somebody in your network who has been looking for that person that now you can do that introduction or a referral even possibly, right? So there's always those opportunities. But even if worst case scenario, they start telling you when you're thinking, wow, I don't know anybody who's looking for that. I've never heard anybody ever ask to meet somebody in there and you can't see any synergy at all. 
that kind of sort of tells you something too because there may be, you know, 50 other people in the room and it really helps you to know where should you spend your time. So asking that simple question, who do you serve, tells you so much about where the conversation needs to go or not go as soon as you ask the question. So I love that question most of all. So I think if people just can get that one down, right there they're ahead of the game. Right, and I and I think that that's really a great concept to to look at it from that standpoint because, you know, for me, I I tend to when I get networking, I tend to ask a lot of questions and and kind of dig deep in that person. And the the reason is because number one is that you can't tell if they're going to be a good client for you if you don't get to know them first, and you don't want to say, hey, are you looking for this? Because right. that just sounds rude and kind of silly. But you just start asking questions, hey, but you make it about them first, which we all know who do we love talking about the most? It's ourselves. So let them talk. Let them share their story and who they work with and what they're looking for first because then you can start figuring out, okay, number one, this is research to figure out are they going to be a good potential client, a good potential referral partner, you know, some kind of collaborative world, or do you know somebody who might be a good fit? Because even in that situation, they may not be a good fit for you specifically, but just by referring them to somebody else and saying, hey, you know what, here's who you need to meet, and introducing them to that person, instantly you add that extra credibility for yourself in the process because you're there to help and how to serve first. Absolutely, and I think that is just so important. And the sooner you get to that information, it's really the most important information you really want to know and how they tell you and what they say in this one question serves both of you in so many ways, truly. And there's a lot of other different questions too. I mean, I have, I probably have like four questions pretty much that if I get to ask these four, well, like three questions, then I have an ending question that I, if, you know, lots of times you don't always get to control that, right? But if I do mm-hmm. get to have any input there, I have pretty much three questions I like to ask, and then I have one that I always like to be the last question if I have a choice. I mean, you know, sometimes it just, you know, other people come into the conversation or for whatever reason you don't. But if I do, then I usually like to end it a certain way as well. Okay. Well, let's go ahead. Do you, do you have, want to go ahead and share what those other questions are? Sure. So I think, I um, think that they would be very, very powerful for our listeners. Sure. Okay. So one of the other questions that I like to ask is, I meet lots of people. What should I tell people about you? And the reason why I love that question is because it helps me to understand their perceived image and the value that they bring and will help me to gain clarity of what it is they do so that I can best serve them. You know, I want to serve them, but how I can strategically serve them the best way, I allow them to tell me that. So what should I tell people about you? Because really what you're really doing is you're buying brain cells, right? And one of the other ways that I always put this, so it's kind of the same thing, but I put it a different way, is what is the phrase that pays? Which basically means what's your differentiator, but an example of that, people always love examples, right? So here's an example. So we all know realtors, right? Everybody who doesn't know at least one, right? So in this particular conversation, I met a realtor once and I was talking about that and I was asking them, well, what's your phrase that pays? And they were like, well, what's that? And I said, well, really, it's your differentiator. And they're like, well, I don't know. I'm a realtor. And, and that, so we had a conversation. So in that conversation, <coughs> excuse me. Oh, goodness. <coughs> so sorry. 
Okay. In that conversation, they said to me, well, you know what, Patty? Before I became a realtor, I worked for a builder. And when I worked for that builder, I did the negotiating. So I know everything that they can negotiate on and everything they can't. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm buying a brand new home from a builder, that is information I want to know. And that is truly her differentiator. And she told me that about five years ago. I think at this point, I think the last time I was keeping track, I've given her over 70 referrals because that was truly a different um, differentiator for me. So I always like to get to that meat right away. You know, what is your phrase that pays? So that every single time I hear that, immediately your name pops into my mind and I know, oh, this is the person that I need to introduce to Eli. I want to know that information. And if you can share that with me, you've literally bought my brain cells. Important to okay. know. Love it. So that's, that's kind of another question. And the question I always end with, if I can, and so for right now I want everybody to kind of get a visual because if you can get a visual of this, it will really help. So picture your business card in your hand. So you're looking at your business card. I'm going to do it how I would do it for me, and then you have to do it depending upon what your business is, okay? So for me, in the top right corner of my business card, right, the corner on the right, top right, Twitter, bottom right, Facebook, bottom left, LinkedIn, top left, Google+. So for you, that may be Pinterest or whatever it is, but that is how I do it. So Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+. The last question I ask, if we get to the point where we are exchanging business cards, what I will always say to them is, what is your favorite social media platform where you're hanging out? Because I want to know what to do next. So when I go home and I have business cards, all I have to do is whatever they say to me. If they say, oh, I hang out at Twitter, because guess what? You may be on Facebook, but if they're on Twitter, you need to be where your audience is hanging out, right? Where are they? Not where are you. Where are they? And I know how important that is. So I ask them, where are you hanging out? And if they say Facebook, I just bend the corner of that business card. And then when I go home and I pull out those cards, all I have to do is look and say, oh, this person's on Twitter and this person's on Facebook, and I know where to connect with them on social media, where they told me they were hanging out. And this will help me to know so much more so I know when it's time to have coffee. Right. I love that one. That is one, you know, I have, I've used the business card and, you know, bending it to, to say this is person who's potentially a lead or potentially a joint venture partner or something like that to make it stand out when I do pull them out of my pocket. But using it that way, that's something I've never heard anybody do before. So I think that's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, I do think it really works. And not only that, but, you know, for me, I'm very um, prompt about doing my follow-ups. But if, you know, you're in a speaking or you're at a conference or there could be a little bit of a delay in when you get to your computer. You may not always remember, and you don't need to connect with everybody on every single social media platform. The most important one is where are they, right? And mm-hmm. for me, most people say to me all the time, oh, Patty, we're friends on Facebook. Patty, we're friends on Facebook. And that is great, and I am on Facebook a lot, but really – I'm a Twitter girl. I spend my time on Twitter. I am on Facebook. But, Eli, 71% of my closed business originates on Twitter. 
originates being the most important word there, then it mm-hmm. goes to Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever it is. But for me, if somebody really wanted to connect with me, it would be Twitter. We may get to Facebook, and you may be my Facebook friend, but I spend the most amount of my time really on Twitter. So you should never assume where people are, especially now in the days of automation, right? Mm-hmm. Ask them. Again, like permission, ask them, where are you hanging out? That's what you want to know. Right, and I and I do love that, and it's it's really good to figure those things out because a lot of times it will surprise you. Because a lot of times, you know, I can honestly say that I would say a good sixty to seventy percent of the people that I meet in general don't even understand really what Twitter is. Honestly, they understand Facebook, but they still like I don't I don't get the Twitter thing, and they don't even have an account. So the fact of knowing that that's where you are makes a huge difference. Kind of funny, right? Because you oh, never yeah. know where people really are. And again, originates is the most important word there. But I have really learned to ask people where they are, and that's where I want to be. Because really, what you're looking for is clues. That's what I like to say. We're looking for clues to know when is the time to have that coffee date or whatever, right? You know, that right. is the most important thing for me to know. And I'm going to tell you, looking at somebody's social media where they hang out will really tell you a lot. And not only that, if you don't jump the gun to have coffee tomorrow when I met you today, if you don't jump the gun then and say three months from now, you you know, you really didn't see any synergy, right? You really didn't, but you connected to them where they said they were, right? Social media. Mm-hmm. You're connected to them, and then all of a sudden you see something, and they talk about their brother who's like the perfect person for you, but, you know, that hadn't come up in conversation. Well, now you know where to go. Right, you have some place to go because you've kept in contact with them. You're building that relationship, you know. But once you actually have coffee and you sit down at the end of that meeting, it's going somewhere, right? Right. So, uh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I love it. I love the way you put that together, and it is. It's good to see these kind of things because I think a lot of times some of these little subtle things, I mean, the tricks that you're giving us today are, they're not complicated. They're not hard to do, but they are brilliant in the way they're put together, and I love that. Thanks. So one of the questions I have for you now is, you know, we talked about the, the newsletter thing and following up with people, but when is the best time to follow up with somebody when you've actually, actually met them? I live by the 48-hour rule for me. Like, you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you can't always do it, but for me, 48 hours seems to get the best results, even if what you're actually saying is, you know, maybe you're out of town or something, even if what you're saying is, I just wanted to, you know, touch base with you. You know, I'm out of town to Friday, but I just wanted to touch base with you and let you know that I'll be back in town Friday. I would love to connect on Friday afternoon. So at least they know when to expect your call. You've made the touch. And then when you do what you said you're going to do, now you've made the touch, you told them what you were going to do, and then you did it, you know, that kind of raises you up even more. So 48 hours or at least a touch base and tell them when you will get in contact with them if that actually doesn't work. Right. Now, do you have a, a strategy? And the reason reason for this is because I see this a lot of times where people have had their, their business cards and they haven't followed up as quickly as they should. We know we should follow up within 48 hours. But let's say you met somebody, you know, three, four weeks ago. Is it still okay to follow up with them? Or do you, is your opinion, should you just say, nope, it's time to move on? I don't think there's ever a time to say, no, it's time to move on personally. Okay. Um, I really find that it's okay to say, you know, because you never want people to think, well, why didn't they follow up? 
right? But they mm-hmm. didn't follow up with you either, right? So right. I always say just wanted to, um, you know, reconnect and touch base. This is what is powerful about doing the social media question because if you haven't been in contact with them but you know where to find them on social media, you can read their social media wall and find something to reach out and say, right? You know, even if you're saying, I just wanted to reconnect and touch base. I saw on Facebook that, you know, your son's been playing soccer. I mean, anything, right? There's always things that you can say to just start the conversation again. You know what I mean? I mean, you can just reconnect and start the conversation. I don't think there's ever a time where you really can't. Now, for me personally, one of the things that um, I really like to do is always know where I met them. Mm-hmm. You know, where I met them, that is really, for me, the thing that is the most important because even if I haven't spoke to you in two years, if I sent you an email and I said, Eli, I just met this guy, and he told me that this is what he's looking for, and immediately you came to mind. I know we haven't spoke since the Christmas party in 2010, you know, but I would really love to know, do I have your permission to do an introduction? Even if Mm -hmm. you don't even remember who I am, are you going to say no? Right. That's lovely. I love it. Very cool. And that's one of the things, like for me, what I actually do, and you know, this is something to kind of share out there as well, is I actually have kind of a a bit of a pre-canned email to make it a little bit easier when I go to do these follow-up emails. But I actually have one that literally I started with, I'm sorry for being such a slacker. And I apologize for the fact that I didn't follow up sooner. And I just say, hey, you know, we met at XYZ event, sorry I didn't get a chance to follow up sooner, I got buried on stuff, and I'm just getting a chance to follow up now. And I always reference where I met them at, right. but I put on that whole thing, because you know as soon as they get that email that all of a sudden they feel bad too, they feel like a slacker. So the fact that you take it on yourself, that you apologize because you didn't follow up, instantly that opens up that door, and it puts them at ease in that situation. And even if not then, at some point they have, right? So now they relate to you, and they're thinking, oh, wow, you know, I've been a slacker too, right, before, and how great that this guy's owning it, right? So Mm -hmm. I think when people see you do that, they also realize, wow, if I did business with them, I mean, because let's face it, nobody is perfect. People will always at some point drop the ball. It isn't about dropping the ball to me. It's about what you do when you drop the ball. Do you pick it back up and own it and take responsibility, and are you solution-oriented, or are you somebody who's going to try to blame everybody else, right? So when I see somebody that would say that to me, that just tells me they're going to own it and take responsibility, and those are the type of people I like to be around and do business with. Right. Awesome. Love it. All right. Well, we are getting close to time here. Now, you and I talked just before we started the recording, and you said for anybody who was feverishly writing notes and knows that you know they couldn't get all the notes on here, you have a download that's kind of a checklist of things that you do for networking. Is that correct? Yes. It has some of those questions and a few more and some things to help you become referable because it's not just about being referral, giving referrals, but being referable. It has mm-hmm. a few scripts in there that will kind of help them how to ask for permission, how to ask for a referral, those type of things. Yes. Awesome. So we want to go ahead and give a link for that, and we'll be, we will be sure to make sure we put it in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Okay, so here it is. It is www.the, don't forget the the, the, the number six, not S-I-X, but the number six, figurefollowup.com. So the sixfigurefollowup.com. All right. I'm making notes on that right now. So we'll make sure we put that in the, in the show notes as well. 
That is at thesixfigurefollowup.com. Great, great link. Now, how else can other people get a hold of you if they want to, want to kind of follow up with you? Obviously, we know you, you love Twitter. So um, you've got Twitter, you've got Facebook. What are some of the other places that you hang out, places that people can get to know more about what you've got going on? Perfect. Thank you. So Patty Farmer, right? that's my name everywhere, and I'm on all the social media everywhere. So the easiest way is to just go to my website, which is pattyfarmer.com, Patty's with a Y, pattyfarmer.com, and very easily on the side in great big icons is all my social media. So if you're looking for me, it's all in one place, nice and easy. So pattyfarmer.com, and they can find out everything they need to know about me. Awesome. Very, very cool stuff. And this has been some really, really cool stuff. Now, I've got one last question for you because I asked this of every one of my guests. And, and this, is the, this is the lead up to everything else. If there is one action step that our listeners can take hold on and get out there and do it right away, what would that be? Okay, it's even a quote. So this is how I built my business. So this is it. Strive to be a people connector not a business card collector. Love it. <laughs> that is so cool. Awesome. I'm, actually, I'm actually writing that down because I love that quote. And did you come up with that quote? That's my quote. It's actually on my back of my business card, Stephen. <laughs> awesome. All right. Very, very cool. So, Patty, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. Somebody who gets out there and actually gets the whole networking concept and the follow-up thing because that is that is my big thing as well. So you and I have a lot in common from that standpoint, and it's really good to have somebody else's take on it and share some of your experience as well. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun, and it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. And everybody listening, get out there. Have an amazing rock star week as always. If there's anything that I can do, reach out. Let me know. That's what I'm here for. And we will see you on the next episode. Take care. Hey there, this is Eli again, and I got a question for you. Do you have a roadmap for marketing your business? If you're consistently looking for new marketing ideas just to keep your business going, then you need to check out smallbusinessmarketingroadmap.com and download the free special report that I created to help you create a marketing plan that will thrive in any economy. Again, that's smallbusinessmarketingroadmap.com. Go get it, read it, and start the road trip of your lifetime. See you on the other side.